Welcome to the Life Giver Marriage Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to share this journey with you. Close your eyes for a minute if you want to see the world. Hi, Corey. It's Evie. One of the things that Independent really strives to do is to empower military spouses to be independent but know they're not alone. And during the virtual summit, I thought that the VIP group really allowed that to happen and made you know people have the ability to build relationships and have some really good conversations in a safe space. Hi, this is Taya Kyle. This is a shout out to all those military spouses. I just want you to know that there's so many people in this country who love you and appreciate you or behind you. I want to thank you all for staying in the fight with your spouse. I'll be praying for you and I just want you to never give up hope and, and to know that you can stay in the fight even when it's hard, but your marriage will survive. You just keep plugging away, keep praying and know that there are so many people around you who love you and appreciate what you're going through. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the 2016 Military Spouse Wellness Summit. Well, thanks for having me. Taya, you have so much to offer to the military spouse community. Both the American Sniper and your book, American Wife, did an amazing job revealing some of the inside perspective of what it means to be a military spouse. And I especially want to thank you for that. Chris was a Navy SEAL that served four tours in Iraq. And I was hoping, could you share with us a little bit about what your experience was like as a military spouse during that time? Sure. Yeah, it was, there was such growth for me personally during that time. And I know for Chris, too, we just, he was a young couple starting out our lives. And he got started in the military a little later than most. And so we had life experience behind us that we were, as a couple, as a newly married couple, pretty, I think, naive to all of what was to come. We were just having babies and buying a house for the first time together and experiencing a lot of firsts with the added complications of being a military couple going through combat deployment. So it was a really challenging time. And at the same time, it's, you know, I'll, I'll always be sort of nostalgic for the other parts of it, you know, remembering what it was like to be newly married and having young kids and all of that. It's, there's a special part to it too. There's always a cloud of challenge that I'll remember with it, I think. You are part of the Navy SEAL community or lifestyle of deployment rotations. I was hoping you could just unpack what was your experience of the deployment cycle, not knowing when he was leaving or when he was coming back, but can you share just a little bit of what was that like? How long were his deployments typically? How would you have noticed that sort of thing? Yeah, so we, I think part of the challenge was that when he wasn't deployed, he was doing what they called a workup to deploy. And so the training was a constant challenge. It was, say, they got to leave for training for two weeks, so it ended up being three or maybe it's a week, or, hey, I got to leave tomorrow unexpectedly, or there were always those kinds of things outside of the deployment. And I would know about when the deployment was coming we'd get some notice for that obviously because they had a, every year and a half or so they would be deploying but the, the specific dates could change you know it might be 
let's say just a random date, if it was August 15th, it could change to August 25th or August 17th or maybe August 5th. It, those dates change, and then the length of the deployment was supposed to be around six months, but it was different every time. You know, some, one time it was nine months, then one time it was cut a little bit short. So there was a lot of uncertainty. We just had kind of ballpark ideas. What would you do to take care of yourself to kind of gain some sanity in the midst of all of that? That's a really good question. I, I think I didn't know too much of what to do. I didn't really have solutions. I think it was a suck it up and deal with it kind of mentality, and I tried to be pretty easygoing. I think part of the frustration for me is I knew I wanted a plan, but I like to think of myself as somebody who can, you know, rebel against all kinds of structure and, and be free and easy that way, but there there's this other side of my personality that desperately wants to know what's going to happen. And I think that time period helped teach me that I can survive without knowing as much what's coming next. But it was really hard for me. It was a really big challenge. And I, I think for a lot of people it's hard. And for me it certainly was to not be upset with the service member. You know, coming to him and saying, you know, me expressing my frustration, saying, are you kidding me? They thought it was going to be this. And now it's that and and for Chris I think that was stressful because he was taking the brunt of a decision that wasn't his even though I wasn't blaming him for it I needed to vent about it or be upset about it and for him it was very hard here because he I think didn't want to ever think that what he was doing was making me unhappy and maybe internally too he wasn't real thrilled with it but he couldn't help it and he was trying to also be the type of person that could roll with it at work. He knew he had no control. And so I think that dynamic can be a little bit challenging. I've heard that from other spouses of military and first responders that it's hard not to take it. But even if you're not taking it out on them, you're expressing frustration and unhappiness. And they know it's because of the job that they have. And unfortunately, the dynamic sometimes is challenging. Instead of the, the service member saying, I know, honey, I'm so sorry. I've been really upset with it, too. Let me give you a hug. And it just doesn't typically go that way because I think there's too many feelings on both sides of, I don't know, frustration and, and whose responsibility and lack of control over it. Did you guys find any kind of rhythm for dealing with that mutual frustration? I think in the end, I just realized that it doesn't do any good and it's not helpful to him. In fact, it was harmful. And so I think my method ended up being just saying, okay, babe, well, I, you know, I miss you or oh, I'm sorry that you have to leave or I love you or just connecting with the parts that reinforce how important the you know, was and then venting to a girlfriend, you know, finding somebody else to say, oh my gosh, I'm so irritated or I hate this about the military or, you know, it gets getting so old or find a, a friend to cry to. And, and I think that's part of what the challenge is because you want your spouse to be the person that you can share all your vulnerabilities with and your feelings on things. But in that regard, it just seemed like it didn't, it wasn't helpful to express it. A lot of spouses do hold that feeling of, I'm not really sure on how to handle my own feelings that I'm going through and where to place that and where to direct it. And at the same time, we can be incredibly supportive and proud of what it is that our spouse is doing and what they're accomplishing. So did you go through some of that? Was there some pride and some some things that, that you loved about what Chris did? I think that the, that was probably one of the most difficult dynamics to manage because yeah, I did think what he did was amazing and it was great. And I was 
think he felt like I just hated it. And I can understand why he thought that too, because I hated a lot of the hardships that we went through because of it. And what I didn't understand then, but I understand now, is that these two worlds exist independent of each other, but they both exist and they're both equally valuable, meaning his desire to serve and his desire to be at home are completely separate and they're of equal importance in his mind. So at the time, I thought it was almost as if you put it all in one box. Well, something is encroaching on the other side. One's more important, one's sort of winning the battle. And, you know, maybe at 70% you care about the military and 30% me, if that makes sense. I was dividing it in some way that seems logical. And what I've learned is that that just isn't, they're not in one box. They're in two separate boxes, and both of those boxes are 100% full with the desire to be home and the desire to be, you know, out deploying. And I think from my perspective, for me, it was in one box. Mm-hmm. You know, I maybe I had them in the same box, meaning, you know, I like what you're doing and I'm proud of you, but, but the percentage is much higher than I want you here, and I'd rather you just weren't in the military at all. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I couldn't understand for him that they were two separate boxes. And the only way I I grew to understand that, I think, is when he was gone and meaning dead and I had the kids, and I 100% want to be a stay-at-home mom, and I want to 100% give them everything I've got. And then there's this other side, there's this need. I've got to you know, provide for my family, and I've got people and a purpose, that people that I want to help and a purpose that I want to fulfill, sort of a God-driven thing that I feel like I need in both places, and I want to be in both places equally, and I can't be in both places at the same time, so I have to find ways to divide it up. And that's what I think, that's when I started to understand more what he must be going through, because before that, I didn't have an example of that. Even when I worked and tried to raise kids, it was different because my job at that time was not, I didn't feel like it was a God-driven thing. I didn't feel like there was somebody that was dependent on me to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, I do feel like I have a unique set of experiences that will benefit people and I have to use them. So maybe that's why I now understand more what he was going through because it wasn't just a job and what he was doing to provide. It was a purpose. You know, they know they have a purpose. And I know you, in your book, I think, got to experience some of that with your husband's job and that that drive to support other people. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of this push-pull. It's this, I have a great desire to do what I'm really good at and what I'm called to do. And, and that can be really tough on our side as a spouse to experience them pursuing their calling, but also loving their family at the same time, especially when it pulls them away from us. But I, now that you're on this side and you, you do feel like you have this purpose, this calling to serve other people and, and try to bring honor to that, that you feel your own sense of calling and purpose and that you can carry both of these competing feelings at once and strive to be good at both of them. And that's where I think the struggle is for all of us. Like, how do we be good at everything at once? And I know one of the things that my husband has heard from other soldiers and what he has experienced feeling himself is it can feel sometimes like I can't be good at one and be great at the other. It feels like there's always one side that's sacrificing if we're focusing on one. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, Yeah, it makes total sense. And I think that I wish I had more 
compassion for what he must have been going through to balance those. I hope that I supported him well enough that he didn't feel too much like I was adding to it, but I do know the same thing, you know, if it's my kids who say, you know, Mom, you're not here as much as I want you to be, which hasn't happened that often because I take them with me now and I have that ability. But there were times where I said, this is just one that you won't, it will not be good for you. You won't enjoy it. It's a quick trip, whatever it is. And I know that that guilt and that hurt that I felt in my heart when I couldn't get them to understand that that they are they're more important than what I was going to go do. But that this thing was important and that I felt they could wait a couple of days to, to have me back. And I, I think that's definitely that dynamic that, that the service member is fighting with all the time. And there, it, you know, it's a heavy weight on your heart to look at people you love and say, I know that this hurts you and I have to do it. Somebody's counting on me to do it. And please love me the same when I come back, even though you and I both know I'm leaving you. It's not more important than you, it's important enough that I'm still gonna leave you for it. It's just a really difficult dynamic. Well, I think um, just to encourage you a little bit, when I read through your book and I read through some of his emails, he seemed to have done the best job that he could do um, by letting you have that opportunity to vent or be honest with him on how you were feeling. Just being able to listen. Of course, we have to have boundaries. We don't want people screaming at each other and, and misplacing you know, those emotions. But just being open to listening, I think, is really powerful. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the things that Chris came home with um, you talk openly about how Chris struggled with the weight of what he experienced during his tours and, and as well as like what we were just saying is him balancing how he wanted to be home and what were some of the changes that you saw in Chris after he would come back from his deployments or even just post-service that was the interesting thing for me is there wasn't a dramatic change it was little bits over time and I think because of that couldn't have put my finger on it and said this is because of deployment and I feel like I'm a really empathetic person at least I hope I am and sympathetic also and so I could see little changes but I didn't know that they were necessarily from combat I thought a lot of them was just because of the distance between us or maybe you know at the time I thought maybe he just didn't like me the same or didn't love me the same and now I can see that it wasn't that it was that he was processing things that were very very stressful and I remember one time it was probably a couple years in to the marriage and I remember saying sometimes I wonder if we didn't date long enough maybe I really didn't know you when I got married that's a horrible thing to say I realized that but at the time I was struggling. I was like, who, who are you? This is not, I didn't know these sides to you. And when I learned later in time, especially once he was out and I saw that he did come back to who he was, was that it wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't know him. I, I knew him. I knew his core. I knew his values. I knew his heart. I loved the way he treated me. I just didn't realize that these subtle changes were happening over time and it was related to war and stress and he managed it so well sometimes that I think that made it harder it wasn't this drastic hey I'm screwed up you know conversation and he wasn't screwed up I didn't mean there's stress and I look at it now and I think 
with the stress that I've had and the different experiences that have come out of the blue for me and the things that don't make sense. And when my mind goes to those places that were, I would say, traumatic for me, I'm not the same to the people around me. I don't have the same amount of patience. I'm struggling and my mind is processing it, you know, in the background or in the forefront. And I mean, I've said to my kids before, when they when they've asked me something or we're doing something and they're like, Mom, are you okay? Or I'm sorry, I didn't mean to upset you or something. And I stop cold and I, I usually say to them, I'm sorry, you didn't upset me. Do I seem upset? And the answer is yes, because I was thinking about something or I know I seemed upset and I look at them and I say, I'm sorry. I, you do not deserve my tone of voice with that answer. I was thinking about something that has nothing to do with you. Let me try that again. You know, it's, it's just been a really eye-opening experience, I think, for me to have some way to relate more to what he was going through. And I think you, with your experience, you got the same invaluable experience of seeing what your husband and other military spouses go through. And maybe that puts us in a unique position because now we can more clearly see both sides, the service member and the spouse. And that's just something I would have had no way of knowing before. And I wish I would have known. You know, I wish there was somebody like you, Corey, who had this experience that could have shown me the light. When I read your book, I you know, I was very teary reading some of it. I thought, man, if this book had been around, like what a valuable set of experiences that would have been for me to know about and to read about. I could just identify so much and I think it could have helped our marriage tremendously. You know, and you did a really good job of explaining it in a way that, that made sense. And I think sometimes the service members don't have the words to explain it. They don't even know what they're going through. And so I think God gave you a gift to put it into words that, that people can relate to. And man, I wish I had that. And that's why I do what I do, because I I wish that somebody like you or somebody like me was there to explain it to me. I, I'm happy to learn. I would have given anything to learn more and to do better and to make our marriage you know, easier in any way. Well, first of all, thank you for your kind words, really. I really do appreciate that. It was... There was times that it felt like I was being gutted like a fish in order to learn some Mm -hmm. of the things that I think I needed to learn. Um, And it's very painful to take a look at yourself and realize, Mm -hmm. wow, I could have done things differently. I could have been better. And it's Mm -hmm. quite a process to also have to forgive yourself and say, I did the best that I could. Um, And then to move forward, I love how you're saying, you know, you're seeing things about yourself now and taking those lessons forward and going, okay, who can I be for my children knowing what I know now and having the calling that I have now. And that I think is, is where I believe God is, is really giving, bringing that purpose, you know, that we're not expected to have this perfect experience. We can't put that weight on ourselves and say, you know, I should have been, the ideal version of myself, but I can give myself grace and say, Hey, I was going through a lot back then. I was really experiencing my own stress and my own struggle with trying to understand what he's going through and what he's bringing home. And yet I have all of this too. And you bring those two together and they clash. But I, I love the fact that love is supposed to in service to each other is what's supposed to help us reconnect. And can you look back and say, you know, I did the best that I could. And this was, these were a few things that I did right. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think 
just to your point about giving yourself grace and, and forgiving yourself, you know, there are definitely, I feel like every time I've said since Chris died that I've said, man, I have regret. I can, and I don't know if it's a God thing or if it's, you know, his spirit on the other side. I don't know what it is, but I always picture him in the chair next to me saying that, you know, he would have regrets too. And I, I, I know that about him because he's a very humble person. And I know that we did the best we could. And I can guarantee that if he could have done something better or differently, that's just how he was made. He would have. We just didn't know. Like you said, and, and you don't know. You're not, you know, you're forged in the fire. And, you know, I always say, I wish we could just be forged in a bubble bath. Like, <laughs> you know, like, God, if you want to board yes. me and make me into something different, like, I'll, I'll happily sit in the bubble bath and right. let you work at your magic and, and do it. But, you know, that's not the reality. It's in the fire. And I think that, you know, fortunately for me, I had a, a man who was a good listener. And he did say, you can talk to me about these things and you can unload on me. And, and I found that there was a way to do that in certain times. You know, certainly... At the times that I was frustrated, that's not that would not have been the right time for me to express my frustration with the military. It's much more of a a loving approach, you know. So those times when you ask what I could do or what I would have done well, you know, the times when you can be a soft approach where you're cuddling or you're with each other, and you, you learn to say that it comes from a place of love. You say, "I love you so much," and it hard for me when you're gone and I wish it wasn't but that's not to make you feel guilty I know you're doing what you have to do I just sometimes want to share with you so that you know how I'm feeling but I don't want you to feel bad about it you know using those words and being very direct about it in a, a very personal calm warm environment I think is a was a helpful way to do it I also know that we did communicate quite a bit on what what each other's needs were so when he was deployed i would ask do you want to know what's going on at home or is that stressful for you do you want it to be included in like you know the homeowners association wrote a nasty letter because our yard wasn't mowed to to standard and do you want to know about that stuff or is that just stressful you know um background noise that you don't need and for him he wanted to know those little things that made him feel closer to home and involved and I think he felt like in that way he could support me and I think he, he genuinely wanted to support me in ways that whatever way that he could and so we just had those those conversations about what his needs were and what my needs were and another thing is crazy to me sometimes we wrote our own vows and when I look back at them now I think wow what a you know, if you were to write the book, this is the foreshadowing that we didn't even know. But one of our lines in our wedding vows was, I'll remind you of who you are even when you forget. And I think that's some of what we did. And there's a gentle manner of doing that, but reminding him, like, hey, babe, I noticed when you're playing with the kids, the weight of the world is off your shoulders. And you're just having fun when you're running around tickling them or having a nerf gun war with them. You just seem so genuinely happy. And then when when it's over, you're you have a much more relaxed way about you and and he would say you know you're right you're right i do and and then he would do it more often or i would give him that gentle reminder again not the whole conversation but i would just give him that gentle reminder about playing with him that make him feel better and to his credit you know he would he was open to receiving that kind of feedback and you know it wasn't a, a nagging thing it wasn't like you need to play with the kids you know it was a hey i noticed this about you and I genuinely wanted his happiness more than anything. I think I know that he wanted my happiness more than anything. We were that couple that was like, if you have a night free 
hey, you go out with your friends, go do something. No, you do it. I just want you to be happy. Well, no, I want you to be happy. You know, that was that, <laughs> there was that genuine desire from both of us that we just wanted the other person to be happy. And I think that we did a good job of expressing that and letting the other person know that we wanted them to be happy, even if we didn't sometimes know how to accomplish that. You know, Shanti Feldhan, who's a researcher on relationships, she measured, I think it was 1,600. It might have been even closer to 2,000 different individuals who are married. And she wanted to see what beer, what was it about their relationship that made it happy. And mm-hmm. she found in all of that research that I think it was 99% and like 99.6% of the happiest couples said it was because they knew that the other person had their best interest at heart, that they knew that, you know, this person loves me, even though they may not, may not be acting like it right now. There's a huge difference in the way that you are communicating that. It's one thing to say, why aren't you playing with the kids? It's a different, it's a different approach to say, I know you love the kids and I I know it brings you happiness when you play with the kids and I would love to see you happy and I'd love to I love to see what happens when you've spent time with the kids with the whole family there's a totally different way of hearing those two things and it's believing right. that your spouse is for you not against you they really want right. to be happy it's just like you said and I love that phrase of your vows of I'm going to remind you who you are when you forget that I believe yeah. in you more than what's happening in this moment Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's important, I think, that you have somebody that knows that even in your stress, who you are at your core, and they believe that you're going to come around. I know that my, you know, my sister and her husband, who, you know, they are so helpful and so kind to me. And, and some of my friends, too, that when I've been through my own stress in the past few years, they have that same faith. And I've, Sometimes I'd look back and thought, oh my gosh, I forgot about this, or why didn't I do this, X, Y, Z, to be a better friend, or whatever, and I'll call and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed this, or I'm so sorry, or whatever, and they, you know, have had that tenderness to me, too, and say, you kind of have a lot going on, I, I know that's not, like, we're good, we're fine, I understand, don't worry about it, and, and I really believe that to be true, and that's kind of what you're saying, somebody that knows your core, well enough to know that that whatever effects are happening because you're stressed or they're just not quite you know in the mindset that that you were before you're stressed that you'll get back it's okay they love you and and they'll take it in stride i think that's something that's important to do in those service marriages is just to say you'll you'll come back to who you are and i think having faith in that is very very hard because sometimes we don't know if they'll come back to who they they really are if that makes sense absolutely so i know you've been through a lot in the last several years american sniper came out and that was hugely successful you were also dealing with the loss of chris when you're also trying to parent and navigate what was going to happen next you've been through so much and i know that there's a lot of military spouses out there who are going through their own season of difficulty perhaps right now many of them struggling with their own kind of grief what has helped you during all of these years push through and get to wherever you are right now in this process 
Yeah, those are those are very good points, and I think I'll I'll add to that. You know, there were different times in our marriage where we were looking at bankruptcy and things that we never, places we never thought we would be in, and there was no, you know, getting the finances back, and the market had crashed, and there was that stress. And then Africa said there had been a stress of some different legal proceedings besides just the murder trial, different trials, and. And so, like everybody else, it's there. You have your your struggles in your military or first responder marriage, and then you also have the normal things that everybody else has in life that will hit you side, whether it's financial trouble or you know somebody stealing from you or betrayal of a family member or a friend. So, my, my expectations have changed. The bottom line is faith. That's one hundred percent. Without a doubt, that is the only way that I have gotten through, and my faith has been deepened tremendously through all of the hardships. And I, I feel like, you know, God almost put so much on my plate at once that I was humbled because I couldn't handle it all. There's no way I could have powered out. I tried. I mean, I tried going all night, you know, getting three hours of sleep for weeks on end, and and pushing through and trying to manage every detail of everything that was coming at me. And I realized that that's not productive and then I don't need to that God actually will handle so many of these things and because I was so overwhelmed and couldn't handle them I learned that I wasn't able to handle it and it still worked out and that sometimes when I'd be banging my head against the wall maybe it just wasn't the right time and I'd pray about it instead and you know lo and behold over the months something else would fall into place that made the problem easier to solve and I think that's I think that's where my faith has been deepened now because I've had to rely on God. I've had to say, I can't do this all. What You know, God, please take this off my hands. Please take care of this. And it might just be that it wasn't the right time to handle it, but a couple months later, something would fall into place, and I'd say, okay, now I can handle this, or now I can do it. So what I've learned in time is that sometimes it's okay to just crawl into the hole. I used to have friends that, you know, I, I was afraid to really break down and cry, terrified of it, because the times that I would, I would, you know, I, I remember calling a friend of mine and saying, I can't, I'm starting to cry and I feel like I'm going to vomit. I keep, you know, I, like, I've got to sort of suck it up. And, and I had a, a couple of friends who encouraged me to just do it, let yourself cry. And I've struggled with that for probably a good three years now. And it's only now that I, feel comfortable sometimes when I feel it coming on I'll say okay I'm just going to let myself cry instead of judging myself and saying this is not something to cry about or that inner voice that says don't start crying because if you do you'll never stop you know or or you know toughen up nobody's life is easy I mean these are the the voices that I have inside my head everybody struggles you know just Mm -hmm. power through but what I'm learning is sometimes you have to let yourself cry and feel whatever it is you're feeling and you can come back stronger it's not you know my friends would say it's okay if you go in the ditch we're not going to let you stay there you know we'll get you out of it so maybe you have to visit the, the, the darkness every once in a while and 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 know that you'll come out of it i think the other thing is and this maybe is one of the bigger things too that you know the the world keeps turning and i always say this you know the sun always comes up tomorrow and and all you have to do sometimes is just get through another evolution, you know, just another watch the sun come up again. And sometimes the only thing that's going to make you feel better is time. And you have to have the, the confidence to, to let time 
keep moving. And I think that's true with marriage too. I mean, sometimes you don't have all the answers. You don't know what to do, but if you can just get through the day and the next day and keep trying, just say, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to walk out on life. I'm not going to walk out on this marriage. I'm just going to, sometimes I'm going to cry. Sometimes I'm going to say, Hey, I need a day to just feel sorry for myself and I'll come back better and stronger tomorrow I think I'm finding that there's a lot of value in in doing that and I think God's shown me that I can't fix everything but I can just keep waking up and keep trying again and sometimes my effort won't be 100% sometimes it'll be 50 but that's okay you know I'll have days worth 110 I'm one of those people that going into grief I thought some of those feelings and emotions you just can't survive if you tap into it and I know one of the things that Matt taught me because um, in our story you know he was the one that went through intense grief before I had a chance to go through that experience and I was so afraid of it um, Mm -hmm. because I really thought I'm not going to survive it one of the things that really helped me and I'd love to know what you think about this was that when I would feel that feeling of intense grief coming over me and I felt overwhelmed, the only reason why I felt that intensely was because I had a beautiful relationship that I got to participate in. And Mm -hmm. it was that connection that I was missing. It was the connection and intimacy that I had with that person and that the grief that was welling up in me was a celebration of that. Because if I, if I had not experienced it, I wouldn't be feeling overwhelmed right now. And so when I transitioned my thoughts from being overwhelmed, like I'm not going to survive it to, I get to mourn right now. Like I loved how you said, sometimes you have to go into the darkness, but just not build a house there. And And I think when I started to see that as an opportunity to go into the darkness and experience that connection again, allow myself to feel the connection and celebrate what I had it helped me sit in that pocket a little bit longer than I would have thinking of how anxious I was of having to go there again. And instead I could come out of it going, even though it felt horrible to feel it, I, I got a chance to reconnect just for a moment. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. No, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And I think if, if God told me, you know, you're going to go through something really horrible, but you're going to learn a lot and you're going to come out the other side stronger and better that you told me involved losing Chris, I would have said, no, I don't care what it is. I would beg to and borrow to not learn. I don't care. I don't care how much better I would be off. I would not have wanted to lose him. And then on the other side, I think, you know, I had a relationship that was beautiful and I loved it. Like you said, it's a celebration and to cry and to say, I miss you because it was that good. And, you know, but that's, that's okay too and I don't like sometimes when I see people that life messes them up and they wallow in it Mm -hmm. because I feel like why did they think they were exempt from life like life is hard for everybody and so don't wallow in it and I'm learning that there's a difference between wallowing in something and like you said taking that time to say I'm sad and I miss you Mm -hmm. and it's okay for me to cry because I how could I not miss you? It was great. I celebrate the fact that I had something so, so wonderful. You know, I think that's a, a good perspective. The idea of if you know what you know now, would you go back and, and change it and be with somebody else that you didn't have to experience the pain? No, I wouldn't. I would go back and experience it all again with him because, 
you know, I, you know, I feel like we were meant for each other, and it was, you know, the, the love was amazing. And it, it does still carry me through. That's the, the other thing is I don't really feel like it's, I really don't feel like it's gone. And sometimes I was thinking about this the other day. I just feel like it's with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't trade that relationship and that feeling and that love for anything. So it's a beautiful thing to have that love. And I think it's, I count on the fact that I'll see him again. If I thought I would never see him again, I wouldn't be moving forward the way I am. I just, I just wouldn't. I'm seeing you do incredible things with the opportunities that have been opened up for you. And it's been such an, it's been a beautiful way of, of watching you honor the relationship that you had and, and finding ways to give that to other people as well. I'd love to ask you one other question before we move on to all the amazing things that you are doing for military and first responder families. As far as having so much handed to you all at once and having to navigate and feel that humility and ask God to um, strengthen you and provide for you through all of that, how did your perspective of God shift of who he was, um, especially during the times that maybe he didn't? take that weight off you know I'm sure we, we you prayed a lot you know God you know I can't handle all of this at once like take something away and there was probably times where he didn't answer that prayer the way that you would have liked for him to so how did your perspective of God change through all of that well I think the beauty of it is that my life with Chris already had taught me some things about my prayer life and that was that I usually just pray for outcomes and not specifics so that I feel like I've been taught in time that God answers prayers in ways we never expect. And so my prayers are more generic, like help me survive it. Show me what you would want done. God, let me act in ways that would make you proud. You know, those are some of my my prayers and and show me what to do. And I feel like one of the prayers that I really fervently use when things are very stressful is, God, please give me a heart of peace when I'm on the right track and if I don't feel at peace I don't I won't do it and I've noticed that that takes some concentration sometimes and some setting aside of my anxieties but I feel like God tells us so many times do not be afraid do not be anxious that's all over the Bible and I've noticed that when there's something that I feel anxious about I have to call myself and say am I anxious about it because it's a you know it's a warning sign or my anxious just because I don't know the outcome and I'm starting to get a lot more faith in that I don't need to know outcomes anymore I just need to know the steps to take mm. and so if I feel like I've prayed about something and I have an anxious heart I just don't do it I just wait until I have a calm heart about it and I'm really trying to hone the skill of differentiating between a nervous energy versus you know, a true anxiety. And and I'm noticing that if I just take that one step in faith, then God will take care of the rest. So that I used to think I had to know A through Z, all the steps, what was going to happen, the possible five outcomes for every step. And now that, you know, navigate the whole thing with all of my options first 
But what I found is that, especially with the, the Chris Cow Frog Foundation, you know, you were there, Corey, when we did the birthday bash and it was date night out. And I, I sometimes have this feeling of failure before I even get started. Like, it's just not going to be enough. You know, there's just, there's just no way that, that we're going to have the impact that I want to have. And then we go and we do it and I get feedback from people. You know, there was a, a guy who was trying really hard not to cry when he was talking to me and he said, I can't get the words out right now, but I just want to tell you something changed in me tonight and I'm, I'm calling my wife. His wife didn't happen to be there that night, but he wanted me to know that something changed and it was something really good. And I, I look at that and I think, you know, we, there's no way that that anything I did or even the amazing team and the, the great event that it was, that we could have planned for that outcome. And he wasn't the only one. You know, there was somebody else that said their marriage had been over for years and they were filing divorce papers, but they decided they weren't going to file. They, there was more left in them to try. And so what I'm, I say those things because what I'm learning is that God prepares the heart and brings the people together. And sometimes all you have to do is just take the one step in faith to do the best you can do for that day and, and God really does take care of the rest. For me, that's a, a huge relief and it, it helps me, you know, every day, even with parenting, you know, sometimes I think, oh gosh, am I doing everything that I need to do for this little person and, and am I going to be everything they need me to be and, and what if I'm doing it wrong and I'm ruining them or, you know, whatever it is that, that we think and I go back to that same philosophy and say, wait a minute, yeah, this is not all on you god is in the mix here and you're if you just keep doing the best you can do taking your steps in faith god will direct their path it's a, you know they're prayerful young people who have a great foundation in god they'll they'll find their way and all i have to do is take those steps in faith and do my you know my best without worrying about every possible outcome does that make sense absolutely I love how you tie that into how that applies now through the foundation. And so mm -hmm. I was hoping you could actually share a little bit more about what the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation is doing to um, take care of and serve military marriages and first responder marriages. Yeah, so the, the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation started with, I believe it was divine intervention actually, because I kept feeling like I could not possibly start a foundation at that time. and. You know, I, I don't want to take too much time, but there were definitely people that I feel like God put in place that said, oh, I can handle this or I can handle that. And it was almost like I, I kind of laughed at one point going, okay, God, I'm listening. Like, it, it's, this is what you want. You want me to step forward and do this, even though I think I can't. And and I we, we started it, and our first programming goal was to do something based on my relationship with Chris and what helped us. So the first thing was a weekend away that my mom gifted to us. And it was just kind of spur of the moment. Uh, Chris had a training session that was down for the weekend. They Something went wrong and they couldn't do their training, but they had to stay there and continue. So he had the weekend off and he was just saying how he wished I was there. And he missed me and I wished I was with him. And my mom overheard it and ended up saying, I'm keeping the kids we just happened to be visiting um, my home state and the kids were there. She said, I'm taking the kids and I'm buying you a plane ticket. Go be with your husband. And just that weekend away was such a beautiful memory that I cherish because, you know, we we did what we did well together, which is just kind of be lazy and just cuddle and be in, in the bed and rent movies and order room service and just be together. And 
So we started doing the weekend revitalization retreats, is what we call them, tailored to each couple. So if they like to go out on the town and party or do whatever, we try to give them a, a white glove service where we take care of all the details and get them out doing something they like to do. If they like something rural, we try to send them someplace rural and, and spoil them rotten for the weekend. And and that's, again, something that I thought, is this in the house? I mean, I don't know. It's a weekend away. And I feel like God did the rest there, too, because there were people that came out saying they were on the brink of a divorce and they no longer wanted a divorce, that, that they knew they loved each other, but they forgot that they really liked each other, too. And things like that, it's it opened my eyes to say, I don't, this is not all on me. I don't have to have all of the answers. I just have to give my best. And at the time, that was that was our best. That was our starting place. And then we've expanded it now to, to date night out. And I already told you the story of the birthday bash, which was a date night out, and me thinking, is this enough? Is this going to help couples? But I think God prepares the right heart for, for the right time and place and, and puts them there. And then we have the, the spouse... Um, we're working on something for the women that we're going to send them up to do some different things and that was another um, aspect that as I look back on my relationship with Chris what things could have helped me and the weekends away was awesome dating each other was something that one of my friends said it best I think she said when you least want to go on a date with your spouse is when you need it most and somebody has to be the bigger person and plan it and even if you're upset with each other you have to Say, babe, I just want a night out with you. You know, would you be willing to if I said the babysitter or whatever? And a lot of times it can start out, if you're in a really hard spot, it can start out a little, you know, kind of quiet and, and sitting at dinner like, okay, well, here we are. And then it ends up, I feel like you can end up walking back through the door at the end of the night, really feeling in love and connecting and hopeful. And, and sometimes hope is, you know, is the most important thing. And then the, the reason that we're doing something with just the spouses is, you know, I went hunting for the first time after Chris died, and it was something that I thought we would do together at some point, maybe when the kids were grown, but I was focused on him getting time with the kids or him getting time with the guys, and, and I figured there would be more time. Well, you know, there wasn't for us, but when I learned about hunting and the guns, and I thought, man, I would give anything to have had this experience before so that we would have had that in common. And then when you talked to me about different guns I would have had some knowledge and been more interested and connected with him there or archery or just being outside and outdoors is so healing for me that that we're inviting other women to come out and and get some some counseling too and some valuable information but just time in the outdoors peace away from laundry and dishes and responsibilities to just be in the serenity of nature and we've got some archery some yoga some hiking things like that because I feel like when you take the time to to recharge your own battery you can get back and be that much stronger for your family and sometimes I think it's easy to forget that speaking of what would you say you do now to take care of yourself what have you figured out works for you I think the biggest thing is sleep you know I feel like there there's always been a part of me that thought sleep wasn't that important I can just push through and I'm recognizing that that I need sleep and I would say this too for the service members there were times where Chris would come home and he would just sleep until you know 10 or 11 or noon and sometimes I'd be irritated you know I'd be thinking 
like, look, you're gone all the time. And you just got back. And like, can you, you know, the weekend is wasting away while you're sleeping. And, and I realize now that when you're under a lot of stress and your mind is processing things, sometimes sleep is really long periods of sleep are really important. You know, it's, you're, you're dreaming about things, you're processing things, you're getting healthy again. And so sleep is one of the main things I do. And then the other thing that I'm realizing is that I love to be productive and ambitious, but sometimes you have to force yourself, or at least I'm finding for me, I have to force myself to just stop play a game with my kids, do something silly, and just enjoy life a little bit and and not let things go by because you have so many responsibilities that you're you know it's, it's less important that that the house is clean it's less important that every deadline is met it's more important that you sort of enjoy the the good things in life that are are right in front of you there's always something for everyone that there's something positive happening in their life even if it's just the wind on your face or you know, a good cup of coffee or whatever it is, but to just stop and enjoy that for a minute is, I don't know, for me, it doesn't take much of that to to really leave me feeling more energetic and more recharged. Besides is something that, you know, I know gives me a lot of energy and sometimes when you're feeling really down, it's hard to to get out and do it. I have a sign in my in my bedroom and it says you're only one workout away from a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, I need to remember that sometimes. Like it's just it's just even if you just get started and do a twenty minute walk, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just you know, or or a few exercises in the morning. Like like if you just say I'm just gonna do five minutes, usually your body will release some endorphins and you wanna go for ten minutes or fifteen. You know, it's getting started that's the hardest part, but yeah, that's and that was that was true for Chris too. Workouts were um, really, really important. You know, I know you read through some of the book with Sacred Spaces, and you know, Sacred Spaces is a significant moment in your life that is multi-sensory and it's it's a life-changing experience and it becomes a significant part of your own narrative your own story and so matt and i have relationships with lots of people whose sacred spaces in their life positive or negative traumatic um, are, are made public i was wanting to ask you what has that been like for you to have such sacred moments in your life that are so much a part of your story and in some cases you would think that they need to be very private. What has that been like for you to have them become so public? We know there was, I remember the first day when we were going to be riding American Sniper and I was driving out to the ranch where we were going to sit down with Jim DeFelice and, and start the process. And I remember Chris saying, we want to have your voice in there. And I, I thought, oh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's a good idea and so forth. And I had already we were already at a point in our marriage where I was learning about the Bible and about just letting the man lead and not questioning it. And so I had to put that in play and I said, okay, if you think it's best, then that's what we'll do. And the first hour we started talking about things, Chris came out with some, some private moments some difficult moments and challenges in their marriage. And I remember just my heart racing and my stomach kind of dropping thinking, okay, like we're really going to put it out there. And I found such freedom and such healing, I think, in, in letting things just be what they are and putting it out there and knowing that 
nobody's perfect. And sometimes the best gift we can give people is to admit our imperfections because everybody else needs to know that too. I, after the book came out, I remember meeting one of Chris's commanding officers and his wife at, at a book signing. We didn't, I, I didn't meet them. I met them before, but I met up with them at the book signing. They came and I remember telling her, I'm, I feel ashamed that it was so hard for me. And I feel like, I wish I was more like you where we just bump along and you've been doing it for, you know, 15, 20 years and you do it with a smile on your face and raising five kids. And I just wish, and I was very, I was kind of emotional. Like, I just wish I could have been like you, I guess, you know? And, and she said, Taya, are you kidding me? And she said, do you know how many times I thought about walking out that door? we are all in that position and it was different for her too because my husband was in combat back to back to back they would not let him out of the combat situations and they were supposed to by regulations and everything else but they needed him and i felt such freedom in that like it just took a weight off my shoulders to know that this is something i respected and she looks like she has it all together and to know that she'd had those moments and that it was hard for her too was very freeing for me. So it's a long-winded answer to your question, but I think that I've seen such beauty in sharing struggles and letting people know they're not alone. And that if I had known back then when I was in that, that marriage and the deployment that, that it was normal to feel these things and that it was okay and that we'd come out the other side, I sometimes think it would have done such tremendous good in my heart and my soul and taken a weight off of me and been better for our marriage. So nowadays I just, I have no problem spilling it and letting people hear it and know it because I truly believe there are people out there who either need to hear it from me or need the freedom to say it to somebody else and know that they're not, you know, something that would be so horrifying to somebody else. It's very freeing, I think. And I feel like it is a marriage favor because I feel like we live in a society where everything is supposed to be, you know, airbrushed and reality TV isn't really reality. And, you know, we're, we're supposed to be, you know, able women are supposed to do it all and be all of these things, all these people. And it's just not, that's not the, the real truth of the matter. And I feel like I want people to know that there is, I've used the analogy lately of steak. Like there's a really good piece of meat that you get at the butcher and you're so excited it's just this great, you know, thick piece of meat. And I think of that as like you're, when you're newly married and you have like the, the best relationship it feels like and it's exciting and, and it's all this stuff. Well, then if you want to take it to the next level, you marinate it. And when you marinate it, it the tissue breaks down and seasonings get inside and there's flavor and depth and you have such a better, you know, meal at the end of it, but the tissue had to break down first. And I, I feel like that's really what a marriage can be. And that is that life is that marinade that's kind of breaking out the tissues and you're getting all the flavor and different layers and depth. And, and the marriage that we ended up with having gone through all of that had such depth. And I feel like it was in some ways, richer like I'd love to say that we never had the pain I would love to go back and say we never had that it was always bliss but I do recognize that in the end the love that you have you can look at that person and say 
I don't just love you because we get along and because we're a great match. I love you because we're that, but because I know you at your worst. I know you at your darkest places. And I've been in the fight with you. And I love you that much more because I have no doubt now. I have no doubt that you can be at your best. You can be at your worst. You can be somewhere in between. And I still look at you like you're it for me. You're the one. And I think that there's a lot of value to that. And I'd love for people to, you know, it breaks my heart when I see divorces. I think if you could just find a way to get through this together, you'll come out with something better than what you had the day you started it all. And I think that's a lost art almost. Like people are almost giving up because that's not what they thought it would be. Or it's just not as romantic. Or they think there's something else better out there. And I think people just have the courage to to dig deep and get through this tough time. You'll look at each other one day with your grandkids around, your family intact, and you'll thank God that you stuck it through. Well, Taya, I so, so appreciate you giving us your time and walking us through some very difficult things that have happened in your life and the wisdom that you have for how we can bring better purpose to our own life. Um, Maybe for some of us out here that we're hearing a lot of encouragement of how we can bring purpose out of very difficult circumstances that we might be going through as well. And so I can't thank you enough for your time. And we just really appreciate you a lot. Would you like to send in a shout out and have it included on the Life Giver podcast? Anyone, civilian or military, can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoreyWeathers.com or call in and leave a voicemail shout out to 706 706- Four three one seven two two two, and we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.